like you go to the clubs like in the next five to ten years like everyone you'll see that the entire an entire generation has learned how to dance from Fortnite. you know if i That's bet you can go 90 percent of my moves are from yeah can you call that dancing though but he I call it dancing. Yes, I yeah, but technically dancing. You're white. You can't dance, so it doesn't But count. that's what I mean. I didn't know how to dance, and I didn't have a game like Fortnite growing up. And if I knew uh, how to do ga- uh, dance moves by playing Fortnite, hey, teach an entire generation where, uh, t- how to dance. And in my opinion, if you had a game like Fortnite growing up, you still wouldn't know how to dance. You'd know how to act like a fucking jackass. That's what dancing is, though. No. I resemble that remark. Yes, I agree. <laughs> this is Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the Madman. I'm here with the Hill Hippie and EK the DJ. Hello. We've got our intern, Hannah B. What's up? Hiding in the shadows. Hiding in the shadows. Doing the... That's doing creepy. The, doing the hard, hard work. Anyway, Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the Madman. We usually start with our weekends. How was your weekend, fellas? Who wants to start? Well, my weekend saw me having the best mushroom hunt of my fucking life. I've seen that. <laughs> it's hard. We're tripping over mushrooms here. It is tremendous. I'm so happy. End of season harvest, huh? Well, hopefully not completely end of season, but basically, yeah. It's one of the conversations I had with Lady Stars and Fire while we were on this mushroom hunt. I was like, if you were an indigenous culture outside of modern day society or back three, four hundred years, and you were out and just had this day where you were able to collect this much food for your small tribe... This would be a blessing day. As They'd make you leader. Huh? They'd make you the chief of the uh, village. Well, I don't know about that. Shaman? <laughs> no, definitely not the shaman. Okay. That requires a whole different skill set. Oh, I see. But you've seen how much we have around here. Yeah, I can't stand looking at them. They're I, everywhere. That's your own personal problem. <laughs> I could have easily brought home twice as much, if not more, and left plenty in the forest for propagation of the species. Excellent. It was ridiculous. I found several species that I had never found before in the past. Really? Including the elusive black trumpet. Black trumpet? Black trumpet. And it doesn't, it's not a uh, double entendre. It sounds like one. It's not an innuendo. It sounds like It one. does. It does. It, you don't put your lips to it and blow. Like a, It's like a device that you'd see... Women selling each other at a, like a Tupperware party or something. Yeah, yeah, one of those. And this, is the, and this is. The, <laughs> I can't even say it. This is the black trumpet. Ooh, how much for that one? <laughs> What's it do? Oh, what doesn't it do, girls? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> its motor was made by Briggs and Stratton. But no, it's a, a small, choice, edible, very thin-walled mushroom that comes up out of the ground. It's a mycorrhizal with oak trees and only oak trees, <clears throat> but it's very small, no more than two inches in height. Uh, the top can be about three inches uh, in diameter, very much blends into the leaf litter. Oh, and again, they're very small. Hard so spot, right? if you're moving quickly through the forest, you're not going to find them. And I had literally just found a l- extremely large uh, Berkeley's polypore. First time I'd ever found that. And I was just in awe. And as I was walking, I happened to be looking down. I was like, whoa, what? <gasps> I heard the heavens open up. The choirs of angels started to sing. And there was my elusive black trumpet. I found four of the little fuckers. All mushrooms. The, the skies parted. And yes. God said a choir angels down. And to my head, yes. For black trumpets. For the black trumpets. The angels were playing the black trumpets. This, this is boring as hell. <laughs> Anything else happened this weekend? Fuck you, asshole. Your bounty of mushrooms. Yes, that you may not like it, but that was very exciting to me. What would you do? Send it home and masturbate thinking about man hands? Wow. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. I, think I listened to one of the, I think it was Chris Pratt's dong on the way home, <laughs> and you were talking about old man hands. That was a good show. It was. <laughs> Hashtag Chris, Pratt, Chris Pratt's dong. Oh, boy. I guess EK's too busy to instructing the intern, so I guess, do you want to talk about your weekend at all, EK? Or? Nah, he's busy. Training the interns. Doing what you got to do. All right, well, my weekend, let's see, what did I do? It was, you know, I worked real hard. I've been working real hard. Over the last three days, and but there was something interesting that happened. I was, 
uh, heading south towards uh, Mermaid's Hideaway. And off in the distance, I see what I think is a small boat. And I'm just like, is that a ship's boat? So I pull out my spyglass, and I'm looking. It definitely is. It's a small boat. And one guy in it just rowing away, rowing away. And he's, you know, he's not too far away from me. He gets closer and closer. And he gets, like, parallel with me. And he gets up, stands up in the, in the small boat. And so I wave at him, <laughs> right? He waves back at me and then, whoop, jumps right into the drink. And I'm, and I'm saying out loud, interrogative whiskey tango foxtrot, I see the Megalodon. Uh-oh. Yeah. And then, oh, the Megalodon ate him. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw two little chests float to the surface. So I kind of turned the ship around as best I could with the Megalodon. I'm shooting, shooting the Megalodon. I'm just, so I go in and grab these chests. I pull them on board. It's a, a crate of bananas and a, a crate of uh, wood. And I was just like, bonus. Right. And then I immediately started tearing off towards the closest island, Mermaid's Hideaway. Right. Uh, so to get away from that damn Megalodon, because there's no, I was playing solo, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this didn't really happen to me. This was, I was playing Sea of Thieves. Of course. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and so I just, why would, why would you have these two crates sitting on a rowboat hauling ass towards, uh, I think it was Golden Sands? Simple. Somebody stole his ship. <laughs> he had these two crates and just loaded it up on the rowboat. And, and he swam out to the Blue Mermaid, took a look at that gnarly fucker, and said, No, fuck this, I'm out. I'm not touching that. I'm not touching that. <laughs> I'm not touching that. He saw the rowboat, and I was, he's like, Fuck it. <laughs> My ball's deep. I love the addition of small boats in that game. It's, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, uh, Especially yeah. when you get EK on, uh, on one. <laughs> I imagine, yeah. He is hilarious to play with because he has, like, no nautical knowledge because of his motion sickness, I guess. He's like a cat with a laser pointer, man. <laughs> I'm going after it. <laughs> Make sure that ship's not a threat. He's so eager. Yes, sir, right away. Like... Cannon fired. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, so, yeah, mostly, you know, my weekend, I'm working hard trying to get... Uh, not eaten by the Megalodon. Yeah, well, that. I mean, this weekend, you know, working hard making cash money so I can support my true love of podcasting. Woo-hoo! Even though we're not number one anymore. We are the show that started it all, though, here yeah, on yeah. FXBG Public Radio. Yes, you are. So, we have that. <laughs> and you can't take that away from us. Uh, anyway. So I was thinking about the Care Bears. Nice segue, right? Exactly. Feeling a little nostalgic. So, what, the nostalgic? Yeah, Care Bears. It's from something from the past. Uh, I think we really uh, missed it. They really missed an opportunity making the Care Bears show and, you know, um, to create a realistic social commentary. Because the one thing that's missing from any Care Bears thing is a villain, a true villain. But I thought there was, like, one, one shot, quote-unquote, villains that would show up and... They'd, they'd stare at them. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Stare with my belly. <laughs> it's it's kind of like the Terror Bear version of the Truffle Shuffle. Right. Um, and I just think, you know, the Care Bears, they needed villains. Uh, like, say, like Grumpy Bear. For example, there's a Grumpy Bear. Mm-hmm. All right. And, that was my favorite one. And he's a spy because he's the only bad one. Only even remotely bad sounding pers- uh, Care Bear. And he wasn't so, he wasn't even bad. He was just tired of all the bullshit. <laughs> He was jaded, man. He should have been called Jaded Bear. <laughs> I guess kids don't understand a word like jaded as they do grumpy. I guess. So, uh, and playing off the success of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, grumpy. <laughs> That's what they were doing, man. So I was thinking, what if like Grumpy Bear was a spy for the Don't Care Bears? <laughs> All right. And the leader of the Don't Care Bears, uh, Zealous Heart Bear. Let's call, <laughs> let's call him Zealous Heart Zealous Bear. Zealous Heart. Yeah. Um, he starts spouting off rants and commands, and then all of a sudden, Simple Heart Bear, uh, he, took, he took all that to heart and just decides to blow up some buildings in Carolot. You know, thanks to the efforts of noted bomb maker Know-It-All Bear. <laughs> you know he'd be good at making bombs, right? Wouldn't be Flashbang Bear? Flashbang Bear. <laughs> that is a happier name. Yeah. How about bi- bi- do you have a happier name for Bipolar Heart Bear? Bipolar Heart Bear? Uh, Manic? Manic Bear? Manic Bear. <laughs> they needed villains. <laughs> and they all needed to be bears so you can understand why they don't get along. Right. Just like, drinks too much bear. 
Lush Bear. Lush Bear. Lush Bear. That's a better one. Lush Heart Bear. Lush Heart Bear. Or would that be Lush Belly Bear? Well, I just wonder if there was like some sort of naming convention problem. It's like it's like we already had a Heart Bear. It was like, well, can I be Tender Heart Bear? Yeah, yeah, you can do that. So they start adding these, you know, three names like serial killers. Tender, right. Tender Heart Bear. <laughs> Swollen Heart Bear. You might want to go see a doctor. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, but I, I get it. The uh, concept of having repeating villains on the show. You know, that way the the audience of five-year-olds would make get a rapport with these characters, and they would come back and they'd see them, and they'd instantly start booing for them. But to throw themes such as <laughs> terrorism on a five-year-old, what are we, in the fucking Middle East, man? Oh, I guess this is too old a concept to actually give to little kids. But you need some sort of villain. I agree with that. I'll you, give you that. You need a villain to create conflict. You know, that's the point of any story. Is that you need to create conflict in a story. And should and Simple Heart Bear wouldn't that be Gullible Bear? I like Simple Heart Bear. It works. All right. Like his mom, like knew he was simple, but you're Simple Heart Bear because you don't have to be smart to be loved. That's true. And Simple Heart Bear, he was loved. I wonder who his mom was. But then again, that's a... Would that be Loose Legs Bear? Loose Legs Bear. <laughs> nice. Oh, boy. So I got a little section here set aside for... for Cash Bear? Oh, EK Catches Up. <laughs> I have a little section here for EK Catches Up. What'd you say? I said Care for Cash Bear? Care for Cash <laughs> Hooker Bear, Hooker Bear is too offensive yeah. right out the gate. But Care for Cash Bear kind of alludes to the fact that, you know, she'll care for money. Rent rent a Hug Bear. Rent a Hug Bear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hug, so this Hug for Hire Bear? Hug for Hire. Yeah. So would that mean uh the Frankenstein would the Frankenstein Bear would have been Build a Bear? Build a Bear. I like that. Yeah. Like he's this undead bear wandering. <laughs> And all the other Care Bears are getting torches and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> little pitchforks. Yeah. Tender Heart and Zealous Zealous Heart Bear, they're getting along. You know, we have a common common enemy now. Yeah. <laughs> the land of Carolot, the clouds turn gray wherever <laughs> the Build-A-Bear walks. We're tearing Carolot down, bro. We're tearing it's, it down. It's coming apart it's at the seams. It's going to be in flames. <laughs> Carolot's going to be in flames by the end of the show. <laughs> So this next section is obviously called EK Catches Up. You caught up? I'm caught up. Okay. Now the next section is Hill Hippie's Garden. All right. Remember, you asked for this. Yeah, I did. For some strange reason, a man who I know and love, known as the Madman Lowercase, has asked me to do a Hill Hippie's Garden concerning the preparation of Wild mushrooms. Well, it's just you have so many damn mushrooms now. I'm just like, how are you going to cook these? Tell me how you're gonna, what you're going to cook with them. I'm kind of curious. All right. Well, you've noticed in there, there besides the small little bags of separate little bonuses I found throughout uh, Sunday, is I have three large bags. One of them being the chicken of the woods. The other two being maitake, also known as hen of the woods. We're going to focus on that one. Is is considered by many to be the prize choice of most fall mushroom hunters. It is definitely the king of the fall mushrooms in size. Some of them being found as large as thirty pounds. There's so many of them. One mushroom cluster, wow. thirty pounds, dude. Yeah, there's big ones around here too. And if you want to find them, look for the oak trees. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. You know, look for your nearest park. You don't have to go deep in the woods for maitakes because they're a parasitic mushroom that attacks oak trees specifically. Sometimes you can find them on birch or beech, but they like oak trees. That's their chocolate, man. That's what they want. You know, if you want to cover some ground in a hurry, t uh, use your bikes. You know, ride through the pass. Because you're gonna, when you see them, you're going to see them, especially when they get big. When they're smaller and more tender and more supple and tasty. I, I'm going somewhere else in my head. Then you're not going to find them that small. But when they're big, you can find them at speed on a bike. And if you want me to tell you where to find them, you can send your credit card uh, information to me here at the show. That's the only way you're going to get my hunting spots out of me, assholes. Get it? No, go on our Patreon to a shockmonkey. Er, 
Patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. We, we get enough patrons. Tier level 100, meaning they're giving us $500 a month. I will give up my mushroom hunting spots. Is that a deal? Do I have you? That's a deal. Okay. So if you're another mushroom hunter, send me that money. Send us that money. $500 a month. You will find the Hill Hippies hunting spots. I thought you said cooking with them. I'm getting to it, but you got to learn a little bit about them. If you want to find out about how good they are. Okay. Hang on. Going through my research here. Multiple species. Colorization. Cooking. There are many ways to cook with it. First thing you got to do is clean little sons of bitches. How do do you clean hen hen in the woods? What I do is I cut away the the large stem portions. Because you find a good size hen in the woods, you don't need the stem. The stems are tougher. They're just as flavorful, but they're tougher. Yeah. Then... <clears throat> like a lot of large lobular polypores, they are all-encompassing. Anything gets in their way or lands on them becomes a part of the mushroom. As in, if there's a piece, if there's a twig sticking up or a small little tree where that mushroom's growing, it will grow around and Surround completely it. encompass that yeah. whatever object it is. If you're allergic to poison ivy and you find one close to poison ivy, leave that bitch be, yo. Yeah. It's a bad thing. So when you pick these, you'll find on the tops and the bottoms, more specifically the bottoms if it's been a couple of good rains after it's grown, you know, dirt that is splattered up from the rain hitting it, and you'll find it uh, being held in by the pores. Just take a knife, scrape it until all like, the debris like comes toast. off. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I equate it to. I don't use a sharp knife. I just take a, a butt yeah. knife or yeah. butter knife and just scrape that shit off. You can saute them, everyone's uh, go-to method. That a lot of people used to like to saute the hen in the woods? Oh, yeah. A little olive oil, a little garlic, a little onion. Low heat for two to three minutes. <clears throat> and once you've got, uh, got them good for about two to three minutes, lower your heat even more, put your lid on them, let them cook for another three or four minutes, pull them off, flavorful as hell. Now, there are other recipes out there. You can actually make maitake steaks out of them. Marinate them in whatever marinade you want to use. Slap them on the grill. If you got a nice, good, big, old, tough, uh, older one, which is tougher, cooking them uh, on the grill with some marinade, softens them a bit. It's a great way to eat them. But since Mr. Man Man asked for ways to prepare them i'm bringing up one that i've already warned ek is going to be done around here and will be a treat available for those who visit fxbg public uh radios studios pickled hen pickled hen of the woods pickled hen of the woods mushroom pickles yo okay we're naming the mickles i called it (laughs) (laughs) let me get a mickle Oh, does that mean bear, the bear would have eaten mickles? Mickle bear? We could... Bear eats pickles? Bear, yeah. Callback. It, it was a callback. Um, well done. It's all, Yeah, you can go watch that video on my Mad, uh, Madman Lowercase YouTube channel. Search for the Madman Lowercase. Well, uh, you have been called a mushroom snob. Eat the stump, too. <laughs> Cobra Commander Bear. Cobra Commander Bear? There's another one from the chat room. Ah, nice. Like I said, the stump is good eating. But when you've got a... Cobra! When you've got a 12-pound mushroom, I don't need to keep the the stump and eat it. And when you've got two 12-pound mushrooms, I definitely don't need to keep the stumps. Snob or not, I don't give a shit. If I was starving, I'd eat that shit raw and wouldn't care. All right, pickled mushrooms. Okay, pickled mushrooms. For what you will need is a pound of uh, hen of the woods mushrooms. The younger, the better. Three cups of water, uh, one and a half cups, uh, tables, teaspoons of salt, one to two large cloves of garlic, a few sprigs of thyme, two dried bay leaves, and a cup of champagne or white wine vinegar, and a dash of love. And a dash of love. Trim and clean your hen of the woods as I've suggested. Bring the water, salt, garlic, and herbs to a boil in a pot. Add the mushrooms. Cover and cook until the mushrooms are wilted and cooked thoroughly about 5 to 10 minutes. When the mushrooms are cooked, add the vinegar. Lastly, pack your canning jars full of the mushrooms and then top the jars off with pickling liquid. When you want, uh, If you want to process them in a uh, water bath canner, you can do so for 15 minutes. Bored yet? Oh, no. My mind was wandering. I know. That's why I asked if you were bored yet. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. 
That's why I was surprised as hell when you asked for me to talk about cooking mushrooms. Well, my mind was wandering. I was thinking about space, mostly. I mean, in I'm, space, I'm... no one can hear you fart. Yeah, indeed. But I was, I was actually thinking about like the Voyager probes. All right, you know about those, right? Yeah. Well, I was, I was thinking about how the how our technology is advancing so fast in comparison to the time the the that those probes were launched. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there might be a time in humanity's future where we send out a recovery mission for those probes, and uh, like someone might say one day, it's like we've met 131 alien species and we've expanded throughout the solar system. Uh, we need to retrieve the Voyager probes wait, wait, before wait, wait. 138. 31. Aliens, uh, 131 alien species in our own solar system? Yeah. Okay. Titan must be jam-packed. Or Europa. Could be all. Could be all. Could be on the moon. Could be alien bases on Earth. Anyway, somebody may say, it's like we need to recover these Voyager probes before anyone else finds them so we can save face. Save face. Yeah, because now you're in an intergalactic community, right? And then you don't want anyone to see your old junk jalopy? I have something. Yeah. Do you know where the term saving face comes from? Because no. the, the like face meat is tender and you save that for the most prized member of the tribe? That is good, but no, not quite. <laughs> uh, it's a Victorian thing where like they would do like the white powder makeup and stuff, but in the heat, that's why they had the fans, because uh, it was really embarrassing for your makeup to melt. Oh, I got you. So it would be save about face. saving face, like so you, like you don't want to overheat in the summertime, so they would they would keep the fans on themselves to keep from losing face, which would be embarrassing. <laughs> Interesting. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I think that's relevant. Not really, but uh, I'm talking about the Voyager probes. Yeah, but you also said the phrase, say face. Uh, yeah. So I'm, it, catch, I'm catching it. Was it was like, <laughs> like, I used it as like a colloquial, colloquialism. Colloquialism. So in other words, they didn't want their mascara to run. Pretty yeah. much. Anyway. It have been embarrassing to lose face. Anyway. It may get to a point where we send somebody out to go recover these probes. And then by the time we get to, they get there, there could be, like, aliens already there, like, laughing their asses off. They're just, like, on a parallel trajectory with it, and they're laughing their asses off. And so then, then like, uh, the astronauts would be like, oh, we're here, to, we're here to collect that. And they're like, you sent out an analog record. <laughs> you sent out an analog record. I understand it was the 70s, but come on. But, you know, if you're... One of the astronauts on said mission, and you do find an alien spacecraft riding along parallel with the Voyager probe. Wouldn't you come up with some sort of cover story? Yeah, we're just out collecting space trash. No, it's gold. The record's gold, and we, we need the gold back. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't realize it was valuable when we sent it out to space. But well, that's still, why, you, that's why gonna... we haven't heard from them because they're still mad about Starland Vocal Band. What? <laughs> God. So that's why we haven't heard back from the aliens, because they're still mad about Starland Vocal Band. Starland Vocal Band does. Sky rockets in flight. <laughs> Boo! I think I got that right. Hey, and I've been told by the chat room that it was relevant. By the way. Okay. Hi, Tom. It's not Tom. <laughs> it's not Tom. I don't know who it is, but it's not Tom. I hope dude, when you see him tomorrow, Tom says, it was me. It's an idiom. It was an idiom. <laughs> I used it as an idiom. Language is important. Use the words right the first time. But you don't have to go on a weird tirade because I used an idiom. You shouldn't use idioms. Crazy They're not as smart as you. I was also thinking about space farts, like farting in space. Yes! I can sink my teeth into this. In space, no one can hear you fart, but they'll be able I to already smell said it that. forever. <laughs> There'll be a what? <laughs> they'll be able to smell it forever. forever. Exactly. <laughs> One so, floating methane cloud. Well, I just I was thinking about how much more uh how how much safer it is for you to fart here on earth. You know, um here on earth you could te- you know ste- take a few steps downwind to somebody and then let one loose and everyone's like, "Oh." But in space it's kind of like pee in a pool, like you find yeah. that warm spot and it's still there. And you know, yeah. like and you could go you could go out of the warm spot, but then you go back in the warm spot. Oh, it still smells horrible. <laughs> like uh, also, if you're on a like the International Space Station or the shuttle, yeah, I was thinking about the ISS. There, yeah. There's only so much space in there because it's not like the gas can escape. So therefore, you're increasing the pressure inside of your ship or the station at this point. 
You get too. You have too many Mexican meals on this thing. You might blow the fuck. <laughs> Do you think they send them Mexican meals? Get out of town. They're not sending them Indian food to eat up there. No, it's all high fiber fucking yeah. protein packs. <laughs> no. High fiber. That's a good idea. I mean, low fiber. I don't know. High protein. I don't know. High protein. protein. Yeah, because a lot of protein's also good. A lot of protein. Big your point takes a punch. Big old hearty poops in space. Yeah, it, that's exactly what the the cleanup team up there needs. Because I imagine, like, like on the ISS, that everyone is like getting furious because when anyone farts, when anyone farts on the ISS, because they know, you know, because uh, it would linger around for a very, very long time on the International Space Station, until they change the filters of the scrubbers or whatever, whatever they do to clean the atmosphere. And so I was, I was thinking, like, uh, whoever has to change that, somebody on the ISS has to change that. They could pull it out, and like people from different countries. And different diets wouldn't necessarily be able to smell their own farts, you know? And everyone likes their own brand. So. Every, yeah, and everyone <laughs> likes their own farts. So, I mean, and the, there'll be arguments that people will sniff this. <laughs> Dimitri smells this. They say, it, they say it smells like cabbage and snow. They're blaming it on turnips. us. They think it smells like turnips. And then the Russians smell it, and they're like, no, 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 no. This smells like cheeseburgers and greed. <laughs> I thought that's the Americans. <laughs> so they're blaming the Americans. And the Americans smell it and they're like, smells like fried pussycat. Blaming it on the Chinese. And, and, the, and the Muslim smells it. It's, it says it's kosher. And the woman from Israel gets indignant. So it's obvious that it must be me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and, well, I only mentioned that because uh, the thought of a multinational team of highly trained scientists arguing about who farted yeah (laughs) passing around a dirty air filter trying to figure out who is most to blame for the rancid smell on the international space station number one if they are passing around said air filter trying to sniff the fart and decide which group of scientists is uh, most responsible for the dirtiness of said filter i question their intelligence thus why are they in the space station in the first fucking place (laughs) I guess it's. I guess the problem with this thought process is, it's, I'm really just putting me in the space. There. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm, I'm farting all the time. The scientists and, are getting mad at me. And you know what it takes to clean this air. And apparently, I'm the king of the callbacks. You can imagine if you fart in your sleep. The uh, inst- like the ex girlfriend that you had that woke you up and said, "Don't do that." Mm-hmm. They'd be, it'd be a lot more vehemently exactly. angry if you did it in your sleep. What the fuck are you doing? Seriously, imagine what that place smells like. It's been up there a while. I wonder if that's like the first thing, if you've never been to the ISS before, and the first time you get there, oh my God. (laughs) And then people, you'll get used to it. It It smells like a garbage scowl. (laughs) (laughs) Smells like like Nightcrawler teleported in here. This smells like the underside of Patrick Starr's armpits. It smells like... I, can, I can't think of it anymore. Hey, the, fun fact. You know why astronauts tie themselves up or tie themselves down when they sleep? So they don't float away? Yeah, because if you fart in your sleep in zero G, you could possibly propel you into a button. Or a bulkhead. Or a bulkhead. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Or or you could... If, you, if you're lucky, you could fart and then you just, like, uh, spin. <laughs> You know? I feel like I feel like if I was on the space station for if for some reason they were dumb enough to like all right we're sending a hill hippie up into the ISS I say like, you guys asked for this I'd be in the hallway just standing at the end of the hallway what are you doing waiting waiting for what just 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 oh. and I start moving down the hallway <laughs> having little races <laughs> yes <laughs> and going down the stretch it's madman ahead by a nose. <laughs> Trying to squeeze it out and gain some acceleration. Yes. <laughs> and the Russian guys with the cheeseburger's greed, cheeseburger's greed. Yeah. <laughs> Cheering them on. Yep. <laughs> or if you wanted to try to spin, just be hovering there, and all of a sudden you see, I see Madman go into the fetal position. What? What is he doing? Oh, just wait. Just wait. And then you start <laughs> spinning like a, in the fetal position like a ball. I come up behind you and push you. Hadouken! <laughs> the things we would do on the International yes. Space Station. 
This is why they would never send us. Yeah, that's why they won't send us. Um, I mean, among the myriad of thousand other reasons not to send yeah. us, but that's the reason why. <laughs> come on, sign. Uh, come on, NASA. Get a sense of humor. It would be we would be great for your public image. <laughs> Put us up there for a month and just videotape our stupid shenanigans, and the country would love you again. They'd be putting millions back into your coffers. That uh, way, you can man uh, fund that mission to Mars. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Um, I love that listener Tom chimed in on this when I was making the notes on this. Um, um, gone but not forgotten, Tom. Love you, bro. Um, he said, I would have to say the charcoal filters in their space underwear. That's kind of a good idea. Possibly. All right, um, but I feel like that'd be completely uncomfortable. But he, he gave us this excerpt from an interview with an astronaut in 2017. As far as farting sometimes, your diet isn't the way it should be. You're a little stuffed up. You may not be able to go to the bathroom, which leads to more gas. But farts can kind of hang out. There's not as much airflow as uh-huh. on Earth. you got to introduce airflow to get rid of contaminants and carbon dioxide. We kind of have that going on, too, in space. The nice thing to do is to go, for, go to the restroom where there's more ventilation and take the odor away. Probably similar to the way it happens on Earth. If you would have to do it, either if you would have to do it, either you could do it in private or get people mad at you. (laughs) That's the kind of thing that can lead to crew disharmony. Dude, dude, dude! In my younger days, I'll admit I was a bit of a jackass. You know, not only would I was I the asshole that was walking up and down the aisles in the movie rental store, just crop dusting and waiting for a reaction. I was the jackass when I was a teenager walking through the mall. If I felt one about to rip, and, you know, when I was a teenager, I was a lot more self-conscious and cared what people thought about me, that when I felt one coming, I'd find the oldest person I could find walking through the mall, walk up right next to him, rip it, and look at him and go, dude, that's nasty, and walk off. D-bag. I know, right? It's a D-bag thing to do. It was. Way to bring it crashing down, man. Anyway, you know we got a, an advertiser? Is this the one I think it is? This is the one you think it is. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, if you're interested in advertising on fxbgpublicradio.com, just send us an email. You can email admin. Oh, my beer. You can email admin at fxbgpr.com, or if you want to just email me and say, you know, XOXO and stuff like that, you can email me at madman at fxbgpr.com. And if you want ads, you can email me there too. And let's not forget, you can also email me and tell me how much you hate me at hillhippie at fxbgpr.com. We, we all have email addresses. Mm-hmm. That's something we all got in common. I know, right? It's a, it, it's a bonding thing. Exactly. It's a community. So here's our ad, our paid ad. I swear to God, I did not pay for this ad. I was here when it happened. Okay. I saw the transaction go down. I know what the, the advertiser wanted. Hey, podcast listener, I hope you're enjoying your podcast so far, but once you're done, perhaps you'd be interested in, in listening to a good podcast, like Shock Monkey Radio, hosted by the Madman Lowercase, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern on fxbgpublicradio.com. You can also subscribe, share, comment, and rate the show on your favorite podcast app. Also, be sure to go to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio to become a patron, and maybe one day the Madman will post pasty white nude pics for you patrons. Just one more lie in a web of lies. Just like the Madman's books under the pen name Scott L. Robbins with two T's and two B's found on Amazon.com for digital download. Also check out his merch over on Teespring.com slash FXBG Public Radio 3 and shock and Teespring.com shock dash slash shock dash monkey dash radio. And you should find his merch there. Also, look for his YouTube channel. Search for The Madman Lowercase. In closing, The Madman is a very attractive and intelligent man that will charm you with a silky and sultry voice and eclectic, elitist, and esoteric personality. Thank you for listening to FXBGPublicRadio.com. I need a shower. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like you watched me masturbating or something. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, that... I can't say image, but that sound is burnt into my drums. Uh, the point is, is that every show is going to be reading that ad. Every show. That's the ad. I didn't, and no rewrites. It's like, if you, 
They paid for this ad. You got to read it. <laughs> I want to go through and like download everybody do it, doing the ad where everyone's talking about how sexy I am. <laughs> I can just splice a video together. Anyway, you want to get into the news worth knowing? Don't I always. Oh, of course you do. No. Oh, God, no, no, no. That is not the way Darth Vader would have acted. I know. Anyway, I want to talk about global warming ruining beer, scientists warn. Okay, now, I've already got an idea of where this is going. Uh, I, uh, now, now I care about global warming. <laughs> Whereas you didn't before. But you fuck with the madman's beer. Motherfuckers, it's on. A new He'll s- solve this shit in a week. <laughs> I'll figure it out. A new study published in Nature Plants uh, highlights the extreme weather conditions such as droughts and heat waves in conjunction with global warming will cause sharp declines in barley crops, the primary component of beer. Quote, the world is facing many life-threatening impacts of climate change, so people having to spend a bit more to drink beer may seem trivial by comparison, said co-author Stephen Davis, UCI Associate Professor of Earth System Science, said in a statement. Uh, He goes on to say, but there is a definite and cross-cultural appeal to beer. <laughs> <laughs> and not having a cool pint at the end of the increasingly common hot, increasingly common hot day just adds insult to injuries. He's like, it's because it's getting hotter. We need the beer. Oh, yeah. like, That's a very, very nice way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thirsty, bitches. We need it. In countries like Ireland, where they fund these kind of studies, I guess. <laughs> yeah, where it doesn't get hot. <laughs> Uh, where the cost of a brew is already high, it could raise price uh, to up up 193%. Who? Yeah. Uh, the findings came came after a week after the dire United Nations report uh, describing the consequences of dangerous levels of climate change, including worsening food and water shor- shortages, heat waves, sea level rise, and disease. Wow, I changed the verb tense in that sentence and it worked. It worked. Nice. Good job. Um, the study's abstract... Abstract notes that the beer is the most popular alcoholic beverage in the world by volume. (laughs) I'm kind of surprised. I thought it might have been coffee. Well, by volume. Alcoholic beverage. Oh, okay. Using five... You don't put alcohol in your coffee? No. Then you're not drinking coffee, right? (laughs) Uh, Using five economic models, the study shows that the aforementioned extreme events may cause substantial decreases in barley yields worldwide. Um, The average yield loss ranging between 3 and 17%. Uh, one of the greatest challenges as a scientist doing research on climate change and food is to illustrate it in a way that people can understand. U.S. Department of Agriculture scientist Louis Ziska told the United Associated Press in an email. So, beer's going away, bro. Mm, I don't see that it's happening. It's not going away. It's just going to be expensive. Well, here's the thing. Culturally, beer was necessary for... The survival of human civilization. Yeah, because they couldn't get pure water. Right. So, yeah. The water would kill you, so they could make beer. And, and beer it was sterile, yeah. Right, and it made your beer, uh, made your water safe to drink, and it was a way to take that barley before it rotted and put it to where some you were getting some small nutritional value out of it. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, sailors use beer because fresh water is yeah. hard to find. Yeah, you're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. You're not going to find a whole lot of fresh water. And I don't think most pirates are smart enough to make sol- uh, solar uh, desalination seal. <laughs> oh, certainly not. At that age, in, in at that time, period, right. I guess, like sailing ship. I'm, I'm, right. I'm playing Sea of, sea of Thieves in my head again. That's what, <laughs> where my mind went to. <laughs> Going culturally back in time to when yeah. safe water wasn't around would be about that time, you yeah, know, the dysentery. Period. I'm not going back to that steam engine area. Um, I know this is probably a little delayed, but uh, there was a comment in the chat room uh, about charcoal filters in one's space pants. Yeah. Just a comment that I missed while I was out of the room. We already did EK catches up, but we can do like a, if it needs to be a recurring segment, we can have it be a recurring segment. Well, nobody else is in the chat room watching it for our listeners when they interact with us. So I want our listeners to feel special too. You guys are special. You are special. You're important to us because you're interacting. The the madman loves you in like a super creepy way. Yeah. Super creepy way. Stop touching yourself, madman. I'm done. Okay. 
A uh, six-foot bull shark leaps into a family's fishing boat and petrifies kids. No shit. No shit. A family on a fishing trip in Australia got a bit closer to the wildlife than they had planned earlier this month. A father and his three children went fishing uh, in a river in North Queensland coast on October 5th, the Daily Mail reported, when a six-and-a-half-foot bull shark jumped into the group's boat, which, was, which had steered towards a seven-foot crocodile. Do they think he wasn't? They were in competition, right? For the crocodile, they're going for that my fucking meal. That's my meal. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. Oh. That's fishing done right, man. You don't even have to throw a pole in the water. Fish and jumping on your boat, <laughs> and that's one is enough to feed you for a fucking week. <laughs> smack at, it with your at least six and a half foot. Yeah, yeah. Smack it with your go home. <laughs> Day done. <clears throat> the frightened family started yelling for assistance, alerting a local resident, Ken Madsen who was nearby, loading his boat onto a trailer. Quote, the next thing I hear is, help, help. I saw the tail end of a shark disappearing into the boat. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you paused to say, did I see that right? No doubt. uh, No, there was a definitely whiskey uh, tango foxtrot that came out of his mouth. (laughs) Uh, Madsen said to the, this is what he told the Sunshine Coast daily, uh, the kids ran up to the front of the boat because there wasn't, much room, yeah. And there was a shark's mouth there. Madsen said after hearing the almighty commotion, he launched his boat back into the water and went to aid the family. However, when he got there, he said the shark uh, was so large he could not possibly get it off the boat while on the water. The Daily Mail reports. The two younger children carefully boarded Madsen's boat, noting the large crocodile was still lurking nearby. He's chilling. He's a reptile. He's <laughs> right. There's like no reason for me to move. What's going on up here, man? And here it looks like it's a whole bloody mess. I don't want no part of that. <laughs> oh boy. Um, this is a, a quote from Ken Madsen. Uh, in my 65 years, I've never seen anything like it. They were all petrified, even father. Uh, he had no idea what to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, ooh, yeah, that's a little bit. Harsh. It's like, come on, man up, bro. What, what, yeah, I've actually got something along those same lines, but I'm going to wait till you finish the uh, the read. <laughs> the last quote from him is, the kids reckon they're never going fishing again. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. They need some time. I caught everything I needed to catch. Right. Came right to me. I ain't never going to catch nothing bigger than that. <laughs> that's an automatic win, right? Right. That's a, that's a natural 20 when it comes to fishing. Yes. <laughs> Uh, if you pro- play role-playing games at all, you probably get that joke. All right. Okay. So, that's just a, apparently a statement to where I've noticed a lot of men don't carry pocket knives anymore. You know what? That motherfucker jumped in the boat. I said a lot of not all of them. Most people under the age of 35 don't carry pocket knives anymore. I have one. You're not over thirty, uh, under thirty-five. I mean, it's simple. It's it's a tool, right? You know, you know, if that thing had jumped in the boat, what would you have done? I, if I had an oar, I'd probably beat it with it. I, I'd have jumped uh, because this is my good knife. I'd have jumped and shoved, shoved that motherfucker right in his goddamn brain. Yeah, I guess. I I know this knife will break though, because it's a tool. It's not necessarily a weapon for killing sharks. They don't have that hard of skulls. I understand that. But it'll probably break my knife. <laughs> it is stainless steel, and stainless steel is I'll let you look at brittle. it later. It's got a real thin blade. Anyway, I want to move on to the next story involving more water life. More aquatic life? Aquatic life. Marine life? Yeah. And I just, I love this because a tourist calls 911 after spotting whales while boating in Washington. All right. <laughs> Video footage of one family's boating trip in Washington State has gone viral on social media. It shows three humpback whales nearing their vessel and eventually prompting one scared family member to hysterically phone police. <laughs> on September 29th, the, Lu- the Luciana family, I almost said Lusitania, <laughs> was cruising. <laughs> Sorry. Luciana family was cruising on Puget Sound uh, when Darren began filming as, a mass, as the massive sea creatures approached their boat said the insider. Um, Though Darren welcomes the whales and voices awe for seeing incredible creatures. It's good footage of the whales, by the way. Um, 
Uh, and seeing the incredible creatures up close, tensions soon rise among the crew as the whales begin swimming closer towards and even underneath the boat. Quote, oh my God, it's going right underneath us, you guys. Anxious woman worries. We're going to die. Another person agrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, you know, a lot of people die from whale attack. Look at this. Look at this, you guys. You'll never see this again. Darren calmly encounters counters to encourage the group to relax. Right. Oh my, oh my gosh, this is amazing. In awe of what he's seeing. Uh, then one of the women on board was not easily convinced, and so she proceeded to place a call to 911. What the fuck were the cops going to do, man? Hello? I'm on Puget Sound, and there are three gray whales right underneath our boat, and I'm afraid that we might get flipped over. I'm really scared, she says in the clip, which has <laughs> reportedly been uh, since been deleted from Facebook. Uh, ma'am, <laughs> come to shore. <laughs> Move away from the whales. <laughs> In the days since, the video has gone seriously viral on social media, racking up millions of combined views between Twitter and Facebook. Some users have mocked the hysterics, while others voiced frustration of the family's move of turning on the boat's motor so close to the whales. That's what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, other cheeky commenters, meanwhile, voiced support for Darren's fascination for the whales, as well he should have been, right. and lamented his family's general dismissal of the special moment. And let's face it, this is Washington State, so there was probably a joint being passed around somewhere, adding to the paranoia. They're whales. Yeah. There's I, nothing to worry about. The worst thing that could happen to you with a whale, unless you jump in the water and start attacking that son of a bitch like Moby Dick, uh, in the story of Moby Dick, yeah. it's going to raise itself up to the water and it's going to blow its fucking nose on you. That's the worst that's going to fucking happen. That's fun for whales. Yeah. That's all they want to do. I just like, not a, shot a snot rocket all over those folks. Yeah, I want to blow my nose on this human. <laughs> I can't come out of the boat. That's what they're coming up for. It's like, you ready? You ready? They're just trying to line up that blowhole uh -huh. just perfectly. <laughs> just to get as many in one shot. Yep. <laughs> I got six of them. Well, it just, after playing Sea of Thieves with EK, I was like, if I actually went on a boat with EK and we were in this situation... He might be the kid. Look, he's going. No. <laughs> Here's what would happen. If you ever went on a boat with EK, I would be sick most of the time. And occasionally I would come above deck to throw up over the edge of the ship just to get some fresh air. Because I get insane motion sickness. You know, it's worse inside below deck for seasickness. Well, no, not if you yeah. stay in the middle. Well, if you're like a, up in the forecastle, you'll... uh. Well, that's the only time I ever got seasick in the Navy was when I was in the forecastle. Mm -hmm. That's where it, under, below deck in the forecastle. Okay. It's spelled forecastle. Forecastle, okay. Yeah. The Brits, uh, the Brits actually pronounce it that way. Nah. The one time I even got slightly nauseous is when I went inside to use the bathroom on one of these uh, head boats. So I'm just fishing away, just having a grand old time. I'm up towards the bow, just... Riding the waves, you know, hell yeah, I, I got to piss. I go back and back along the side, go in, back up towards the front, find the little bathroom. The head. What the fuck ever? It had a toilet and I used it. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I used the loo. I love that scene in, uh, what was that movie uh, with Bill Murray, uh, The Man Who Knew Too Little? Which is, I need to use the loo. And he just, <laughs> the loo. <laughs> Just like the dumbass American in Europe. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't make it back outside fast enough. <laughs> anyway, it's getting close to Halloween, so uh, I, I found Sowin! Whatever. <laughs> Sam Hain. Sowin. Whatever. 60% uh, of Americans claim to have seen ghosts in this article. A new study of 2,000 people excuse me, found that most people have a stronger connection to the paranormal than one might think. 60% of those studied, felt they had seen a ghost in their lifetime. In addition, more than 40% of those surveyed think their pet has seen one, too. <laughs> I, I just watched a video about that. <laughs> I want to see, see this questionnaire. <laughs> the research, conducted by one poll on behalf of Groupon, Groupon, asked people to reveal their encounters with ghosts, so they found one in three people studied had either lived in or stayed in a house they felt was haunted. I'm not going to read any more of this story. I just want to say, really? 60% of the people, there's four people in this room. 
Mm-hmm. That means that like two, two and a, a bit of us. Yeah. Believe in ghosts. Can everyone in the room say that they believe in ghosts and or have an, had an encounter with ghosts? Yep. Three. Wow. I'm behind the times, I guess. I don't... I've never... Never seen... I saw a door open on its own once, but then I realized it was science. An air pressure? Yeah. Yeah. And see, that's not seeing a ghost. That's seeing a door move. But that's what I mean. Even if it was paranormal... Somebody who didn't understand science may have thought that that was a ghost. No, but here's the thing. If it's uh, by seeing, I consider that actual having seen with your eyes. And I don't count orbs as ghosts. No, they're not ghosts. Typically, more often than what they are is just dust. light reflecting off dust. dust. Yes. <laughs> There's so many orbs in this picture. We're in this haunted house. No, it's just fucking dusty because nobody's been in it in 500 fucking years. Yeah, you want to take... You want to take a picture with a bunch of orbs in it, slam on your couch <laughs> yeah. a bunch of times, and then snap a picture. And then you can claim. I was like, oh, look at all the ghosts in my house. Little Johnny just sat down, and I snapped this picture, and there was three orbs above him. That's his grandfather, his grandmother, and his <laughs> uncle who yeah, passed away. Exactly. No, I just hopped down on the couch, vacuumed the fucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I guess I'm in the minority, not believing in ghosts. You want to talk about another ghost? Casper? Louis C.K. <laughs> Oh, God. He's been quiet lately. <laughs> Hasn't he? I'm fucking shit. <laughs> well, my comment, uh, this article, my comment on this article is like, can you really come back from this? Uh, Louis C.K. opens up about his weird year in stand-up appearances, report says. Um, disgraced comedian Louis C.K. reportedly opened up about his weird year. Um, Laughspin reported that he, Louis C.K., 51, uh, spoke about the sexual misconduct allegations against him to an audience in the West Side Comedy Club. Uh, it's been a weird year, he said, uh, declaring he had lost $35 million in an hour amid the backlash. Ooh. He said he's been to hell and back. A comedian who has not been named told the website. Eh, unreliable. In November two- 2017, comedians uh, Dana Min Goodman, Abby Shesh. Shashner, Julia Wolov, and Rebecca Corey alleged CK either pleasured himself in front of them, asked to do it, or did it so over the phone. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember. A fifth woman detailed her allegations against CK to the New York Times, but was not identified. He later admitted their claims were true in a statement and said, The power that I had over these women is that they admired me, and I wielded that power irresponsibly. Following the allegations, FX Networks and FX Productions said they were cutting ties with CK. Uh, the premiere of his film, I Love You, Daddy, was canceled after the allegations. And Netflix also canceled the comedian stand-up special. Uh, Laughspin.com reported that uh, audience, the audience had mixed reviews over CK's set last week. A comedian told the website that CK seemed much more confident than at other shows. This is not the time, first time CK has made a stand-up appearance. In August, he performed in New York City's Comedy Cellar. So the only question I have is, can he come back from this? What do you think? I don't see why he couldn't. Is pulling yourself off on the phone with a woman or what he said, like in the room with them, is that the same as rape? Did they? It depends if, if they it's wanted against to... their will. It's in the yeah. same family. That's what I was going after. Okay. Apologies. No, nope. it's no. all right. He would just take the longer way. Okay, it's all right. <laughs> You're ahead of the curve today. I'm proud of you. <laughs> so, uh, say say somebody was convicted of rape and they're a comedian. Mm-hmm. They did their time and so forth, and they wanted to go back into comedy. Mm-hmm. Should they be allowed to to give it a shot? Anyway, why was why should you not allow them to be in comedy? I, yeah, they should be allowed to give it a shot. Because Louis C.K. Louis C.K. is funny, real mm-hmm. funny, despite for the jerking off in front of women thing. Right. I don't think that's funny. Well, maybe his pecker was so small he thought considered it a joke. <laughs> Look, check this thing out. <laughs> you need material for your set, lady. Check this out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that comedian goes out on stage. You. you you would not believe what just happened backstage. Louis C.K., the headliner. 
just whipped out his inchworm cock. She brought the house down. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all thinking, no way, it's true. This is, that's horrible. That's, we're horrible people for thinking these things. We've got about five minutes left, and we've got one more story I want to do. All right. Because how did this happen? How did it happen? Python recorded falling through a ceiling during a bank meeting. A slithering snake found its way into the ceiling of a bank in China, and it spooked staffers during a meeting Meeting when it suddenly fell from the ceiling above. This video's out there. Go find it. Uh, this is the, the Shang, Shanghaiist reported Friday. I like that name, the Shanghaiist. Shanghaiist. Uh, surveillance footage uh, of the eerie incident showed staffers standing around in an office uh, in, a, in a bank in Nanning. Whew, I'm not even. Gongji. Gongji? Gongji. Gongji. Uh, when a six-foot, five-foot python fell from the ceiling. <laughs> Somebody converted that from metric. metric. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can tell you right now how this happened. Gravity. <laughs> <laughs> Got to the bottom of it. <laughs> the staffers immediately ran away. I would too. <laughs> and as the snake slithered off camera, uh, local wildlife authorities reportedly were able to wrangle the reptile. Wrangle the reptile. Go look for this video because they're just all standing around in a circle. You know, you have another boring meeting and then boom, Python! <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, <just> Python! <laughs> and everyone just scatters. And I, if this happened in any country, that would happen. <laughs> any country. That Again, somebody should have pulled out a pocket knife, dispatched Python, and made some Python steak. And I, I'm just wondering if, like, how long the Python had cased the bank to get to that point. <laughs> You know, because he's he worked his way into the into the ceiling, and he just he had miscalculated the you know the where weight, the vault was the weight distribution. Mm -hmm. The weight distribution is like he, I thought for sure that that drop ceiling could handle my weight, and then boom, right in the middle of the weed, uh, uh, meeting. The problem was, man, they used Armstrong uh, drop ceilings. <laughs> let me let me tell you something, Mister Python. If you want to rob rob a bank, I highly recommend hands. They do help. They do help. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't express that enough. That I mean, hands yeah, are very important for robbing a bank. Yeah, but you know, with the the jaw strength and the way they can unhinge their jaws, they can get their mouths around just about anything, and then they can move their bodies almost like an arm. So it it almost like they have one. Well, they just don't have the opposable thumb. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure he had a game plan for like doing a combination lock with his mouth. I'm right. Sure, I'm sure that's real easy for a snake to do. But yeah. We all know they have the hearing and the intelligence to crack a safe uh, combination lock dial. There's somebody trained a Python to crack safes. My mind's going to the place where you're training a Python for birth to crack safes. <laughs> this must be the work of the Riddler. <laughs> day after day, training the snake. I got you a new snake today, but it's new safe today, buddy. <laughs> I have the B movie title. What is it? The Locks. Smith. <laughs> we need we need we need to brainstorm a little more. I think we can come up with something better. I don't know, that was pretty good. <laughs> Safe cracker. A little bit better. <laughs> well, maybe we could start uh, start uh, brainstorming over the title for our movie. We're gonna shoot here. Hashtag Snake Thief movie titles. You're not getting a title again, bro. I'm titling this episode. I'm not. I don't know what I'm gonna call it. But yeah, we're. Yes, six fifty-nine. Got about less than a minute left, so I'll just start using the Paul Harvey pause. Slow the tempo down. Kill a little time. And tell you to check out find us on social media. We have Shock, Shock Monkey, Monkey Radio, Radio Redux on Facebook. On Facebook. Um, go check out all our shows. Just at fxbgpublicradio.com is a great website because you can find them all. All the shows are there. In Under one the central nexus. Tab. In one little place. And so, um, yeah, be sure to rate us. Like, subscribe. Yeah, listen. like, subscribe. Listen, rate us on iTunes. Listening. Rate us on iTunes. Go to my YouTube channel, Madman Lowercase, where I clip out the funniest bits from our shows. Like, and, subscribe, and listen to that, too. Yeah. And I'm the Madman, and I love you. Who are you? I'm the Hill Hippie, wishing you all peace and love. I am of no consequence. Yeah.